This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And breathe. It's Thursday, the 18th of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Ollie Kirsch. I'm Joe Ritchie. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to find your favorite brews for refreshingly low prices. Start the summer off right by ordering one of Beer Monster's draft tap machines so you, the listener, can pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. Listeners to this show can snatch a further five pounds off their next order with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05. UK only, T's and C's apply, drink responsibly. Chaps, welcome. Uh, momentous night, an incredible night, a memorable ma- a night, a- an emotional one as well. Um, first things first, biggest question on everyone's lips. Adam, straight up, what is the biggest animal you could salutate <laughs> to a tree? That's a really good question. I uh, I had to, as- to assume that cello tape was the same thing as duct tape. A little bit different, I think. A little bit different. Um, no, I think if we're being, if we're being specific, it's the same, isn't it? Is it stronger or weaker? Oh God! Yeah, that's going to affect my answer. I think duct tape is probably. You know, I, when I when I think of sellotape, I think of the clear stuff, right? The clear tape. When I hear duct tape, yeah. I think of that brown, wide, yeah, wide kind of tape. No, I think of and I think all of the listeners that have tuned in for of... a review of City qualifying <laughs> for the Champions League final have tuned out. Um, well, in truth, all right. I'll twist this one. Off with. Ancelotti will sell a tape into a tree and make fun of what we've just done <laughs> to that club. Oh my god! Oh my god! Sit down. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I think I think anyone anyone tuning in for any sort of uh, clear cut analysis of of last night's game, you're in the wrong place. This is going to be completely handbrake off, unhinged as you get, as you'd expect from this establishment at City Report podcast. But we will. I I, I digress. We will get into the match. Um, Manchester City four, Real Madrid nil, five one on aggregate. Joe Ricci, is that the greatest night of Manchester City Football Club? It's the greatest night of the Pep Guardiola era, is what I'll say. I'm not, I'm not prepared to say for prepared to say Ooh. at the club. I think I'm going to cop out a little bit, but that is that's the type of game that I think in in two years, in five years, in ten years, we're going to look back on and say that was the moment for Manchester City as a club. Um, it it mm. just felt different. I felt like it full time, and I feel like I talked about this a few months ago in the earlier or maybe early in the knockout stage. None of us, I don't think of the four of us, have been totally in love with the Champions League. I, I hope I'm not speaking wrongly mm. for anyone, but no, no, that's spot on. Seeing, that's especially, I don't know what you guys got in in the UK for coverage, but for CBS's coverage post match, just seeing every player's reaction. You know, so many of them ran up to Micah Richards. So many of them were celebrating with each other. It, it like made me mm. buy in more than I ever have to the competition. Obviously, I'd like to see them win, yeah. but now I feel more invested in nights like this and obviously i am excited to hear what you guys had in the ground but even just watching at my desk at work i was bought in and that's yeah. you know a feeling you can't you can't replace i think i think we said a billion and one times that it's gonna have to take beating not even beating you know let's call it what it is obliterating real madrid 14 time european champions in a semi-final at the etihad stadium where Erling Haaland didn't even score. He didn't even get an assist. He was, you know, he wasn't shit, but he wasn't he wasn't the usual Erling Haaland we know. It was the players who stepped up, you know, Bernardo Silva, obviously we know Kevin De Bruyne can, Jack Grealish, we'll get into individual performances. But it was going to take something like that, wasn't it, Adam, for the, the psyche, the mentality, the feeling, the sort of... I felt like that game almost, and I don't want to speak too soon. We'll get into the final sort of in the coming weeks and, and maybe a little bit at the end of this this show, but... It felt perhaps a changing of the guard in the mentality of City fans because I felt going into the game, I was, for, for full clarity, just absolutely struck with nerves for the last 72 hours. I, I couldn't sleep, genuinely. I woke up at 6am on Wednesday. I couldn't get back to sleep. I, you know, From that on, I was absolutely broken. But I spoke to so many people like, yeah, we're going to do them. And I think maybe is that the changing of mentality a little bit? Is this what we can expect from this this City team? And, you know... We'll talk about the eleven players and the substitutes, and whatnot. But Pep Guardiola as well. This is this is his baby, and I'm just delighted for them. I think more than anything to see that pay off in that fashion. Yeah, it, it may be the changing of the guard for many people in the fan base. I'm I'm not one of them. I I, I don't. It just doesn't get me going. You, boring, the the boring, nerves were palpable. Adam. Boring, boring. <laughs> the Adam. nerves were palpable in our group chat today and I couldn't relate. I don't know if I am a sociopath and I can't feel anything, but I just didn't feel anything. Um, it's, it's probably both. The, the thing for me, and I can only speak for myself here, is anyone who listens to this podcast will know I watch football with nothing but hate in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but hate i ha- i don't joy is just I- i'm void of all joy at night i go to bed and i have this little black book with everybody in football who's wronged me their names are in this black book i kneel down before my bed and i don't say a prayer to any god i just list the names in the little black book 
And last night's game was for all of those people in the little little black book. So mm. I'm bought in in the sense that I want to rub it in the faces of the people that have wronged this club and this the people that who, who speak ill of the club. I want to dance on the graves. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling at the <laughs> moment. That, so um, so it's, it's joy, meme, but it's it? lined with fellas- hate. Carrying the coffin. That's yes. you. You're the you're the fella carrying the I coffin. Am, I am I am all like, four dun, or five dun, of dun. them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the coffin? May I ask? There's a lot of names in the little black book, Amos. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a heavy right, coffin. Um, Junior, because Walker's already buried him tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well well I'll I'll come to you, Ollie, because uh you and I were, were at the game, we're at the ground. Um what did you make of the atmosphere? Because obviously before the game, there's a lot of sort of talk about the ticketing and the way they handled that. I think sort of looking at it rationally, the way that City played and the way they went ahead sort of negated that because there was no sort of Real Madrid goal. You know, we didn't get to sort of see what it might have been. And all for the better, I thought it was one of the nights at the Etihad Stadium where you'll look back on it in 10, 15, 20 years, you know, I'll hopefully one day tell my children, I know, Ollie, you've got kids, and I assume when they grow up, you know, when they, when they start getting into football, it'll be one of them nights because I, I just felt, and, and I'll quickly jump in with an anecdote. I was, I was, I'm not on the cup scheme, and we spoke about the cup scheme and what that means for, for people who don't necessarily understand, but I'm not on the cup scheme, so that means in my normal season ticket seat, I was elsewhere, and I was in um, in block 114, which is usually where the away fans are, and I went down to my seat about, typically, about two minutes before kickoff, and there's this, this woman, um, the woman called Jane, who I got speaking to, and we we had a fantastic conversation throughout the game. It turns out her her lad is a young lad who goes home and away with City, and she's usually elsewhere in the um in the stadium with a season ticket. And we were speaking and you know hugging and grabbing each other after the goals, and 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 that was the same for for everyone around us. It felt like one of those games where you truly will look back on it forever, regardless of what happens in the competition. That was one of them nights at the Etihad. Yeah, firstly on the atmosphere, I think. Because of the way that City distributed the remainder of the tickets, you know, we had an episode about this and there was a lot of people freaking out. And there were, Mm. certainly in the crowd, a lot of uh, blatantly non-City fans, I'll say. You know, I'm not not Mm. going to degrade anyone or denigrate anyone for, for, for being at the stadium tonight. They got tickets, that's the club's fault. There were a few. There was an Italian fella sat near me. I don't know if he was a Carlo Ancelotti stan or what, but there were there was a real mix. <laughs> not yeah. anymore. He's certainly not anymore. Yeah, well, um, the the atmosphere was rocking. I, I had the same concerns as everyone else, and I even thought it might actually take a Real Madrid goal initially to galvanise things, mm. but it wasn't the case. From from the moment that those players came out. All of the Blues that were in the ground, yes, there were some non-City fans interspersed, but everyone was at it. I mean, there were people around me, you know, I sit in the Colin Bell, which similar to the family stand, it has elements of uh, perhaps a more gentrified fan base. But even then, you know, sometimes I think I'm the lunatic in the middle of the stand jumping up and effing and jeffing, right? But <laughs> there, there were people around me that I've not heard a peep out of all season that were on their feet, they were at it, and... Everyone got behind the team tonight. Everyone got behind the team to the extent that you wouldn't have realised that there weren't that there were non-city fans in those stands. And I'm, I'm immensely proud of the fan base tonight because the Etihad has garnered a reputation, especially in the Champions League, as a fortress on the pitch. But tonight, mm. you know, put away your famous Champions League nights at Anfield and famous Europa League nights at Old Trafford. Right? This is sorry, <laughs> bit, bit, bit of bursting in there, but. 
Seriously, that this was a famous Champions mm. League night at the Etihad, on the pitch, off the pitch, all around. It it was it, it was phenomenal, really, and I'd give anything to rewind a couple of hours the game? And, and do that again. Ollie, do you do you, do you think it affected the game in terms of the way Real Madrid play? Because there were moments where and and the players were doing that thing, which I I, find, I don't know if I like it or not, where they're telling the crowd to sort of g up mm. a little bit and mm. cheerlead, and I think it's great for the first five seconds, and then it goes flat afterwards. But that's a, I felt like that helped. Like there were moments where Real Madrid were. I think Luka Modric, Ballon d'Or winner was passing the ball yeah. out of play, like, multiple times. Do you think it made it? Yeah, difference? it does. It does. And uh, less less on Madrid and more on our boys. You know, ultimately, it is a feedback loop. When the ground's a bit flat, the players need to do something to G us up. When the players are a bit flat, sometimes we need the ground to G them up. And we were in harmony tonight mm. because, as I said, the atmosphere, even before kickoff, was immediately mirrored by the energy and the, the intensity on the pitch from the lads, the way they were pressing. Madrid didn't know what to do with that ball. It, what was it? In the first 25 minutes, they had 10 touches in our half. So it, it did. It was one of those situations where it didn't need the crowd to G up the players. It didn't need the players to G up the crowd. They were perfectly in sync. The energy on and off the pitch was matched and mm. it, it, it was just magical. Uh, yeah, and and we'll we'll move on to the game now. Enough of the uh, the lunatics in the stand. But Joe, it was it was the perfect performance, and it was almost too perfect because even I, the eternal pessimist, was at three 0 thinking, Jesus Christ, we've done this. At two 0 thinking, you know, they're not going to lay a, gl- a glove on us. Although I was still slumping into my seat every time we uh, gave the ball away. But in terms of the way City played, you you cannot fault them at all. I think you know, first thirty five minutes. Absolutely sublime. There was a, a moment, I'd say maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe after halftime, when you could sell uh, you could tell Real Madrid came out and were like, okay, if they got a goal then, then the, the the complexion of the tie completely changes. That third city goal goes in and, and it's game over, isn't it? It was lights out. And I, I can't even remember what time the third goal went in, but it felt like it could have been immediately after halftime and, and nothing would have changed. City were just in complete and utter control. And it was like if you were to design, I know certain people in this parish, Ollie, I'm looking at you, uh, fans of AI and the, the newfangled technology there. If you were to design a Pep Guardiola performance with AI, it would be that. You asked it? me at the beginning of the podcast if this was you know, the biggest performance result in City's history, and I kind of deflected it. That was the best half of football I've ever seen since I've, become a Man- since I've followed Manchester City. That first half was... Mm. It's one of those, yeah, it could have been four, it could have been five. So in some ways you could say they could have been more clinical. But to take it to 14-time Champions League winning, reigning Champions League winners, Real Madrid, (laughs) and make it seem like it was playing a third-tier team. I mean, they couldn't lay a glove on City from from kickoff to to Mm. halftime. And yes, maybe it should have been more, but the way that City handled themselves in that first half in possession and, and moving the ball around and pressing anytime they lost the ball. Like you said, Luka Modric, one of the most composed, classy players in world football, looked so out, out of his element. And, and you you know, mm. even when they haven't been totally dominant, players like that can still show their class in the middle of the pitch. He had nothing going for him. A, a back line that brought back, you know, allegedly their best center defender in, in Militao got completely stretched then and from... <laughs> Minute one again could have been exposed for goals. Um, I, th- I think I said to Adam, you know, before we started recording, I could wax lyrical about every single player that started tonight. I could wax lyrical about every player that came on for City. It was one of the most consistent, mm. driven, determined performances I've seen from this club, probably ever. 
Yeah. And that's that's what big clubs do. I hate to say it, and we're not we're not getting carried away. I'm I'm already shaking at the thought of Inter Milan and Edin Dzeko and all of that to come. But big clubs and Real Madrid know it themselves. They go out with that mentality to win. And and it was interesting, Adam. You were um, earlier in the season, obviously when you came over. We were together for the the Burnley FA Cup game, and I shit you not. It, for anyone who didn't watch that Burnley game, Burnley laid more of a glove on City in that first half than Real Madrid did. It was complete and utter domination, like I said. And, and, and a lot of the talking point, obviously, before the game was about Bernardo Silva. Um, Pep Guardiola's, what, what we know to be a bluff now, was the, the comments in the pre-match press conference speaking about, oh, you know, he's looking at going a bit more attacking. We were thinking maybe would that be Mares? Would it be Foden? Bernardo Silva retains his place after... I think what it has to be says a, a, a bit of a stinker at the Bernabeu. He wasn't on his on his best game, but two goals in that first half. He finished the game with a foot mob rating of nine. Um, there's a reason he's got the the song about going to Istanbul, isn't there? Because he he was bossing it, absolutely bossing it, and 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 what a guy as well. You could see on his face all the talk about him wanting to leave the club, and and he still might, and and fair enough for, if he's been able to do this whilst he wants out, but. Their celebrations were, were, were fantastic. And, and I'm just delighted again, like I go back to it, I'm just delighted for these players because these players deserve it, I think. Obviously, the fans deserve it and, and our time will come with the celebrations. But this group of players, man, is something special. Yeah, and, and you bring up Bernardo Silva and he's just somebody that's built for these nights. You know, he, he has everything in his locker. Do you need him to press? Mm. He'll do it. Do you need him to make runs in behind? He'll get on the ball and he'll he'll put it in the top corner like he did on that first goal. Do you need him to somehow be five foot one and still jump above the defense and and head home? That's two headed goals for him in the in the Champions League this season. The dude's the smallest guy on the pitch, and it's two headed goals. <laughs> Look, I I think that's I think I saw a stat. I think it's fifteen champions league goals now for him 10 of them have been in in knockout games i mean he he loves the competition mm. he's one of those players that like holland and and maybe sort of jack Grealish is starting to get this reputation as well that he loves these big nights these big european nights under the lights and 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 like you said it, it does make even people like me buy into it a little bit more because for them i want them to win this because i see on mm. their faces how badly they want it and and one thing i just want to say on the performance was I was actually surprised by the level of control and dominance and not not from the fact that I didn't think it was something City had in them. But I remember saying at the beginning of the, this Champions League run that if City are going to find a way to win the Champions League and, and right all of the wrongs of the Pep Guardiola era in the competition, they're going to have to do it in a way that's not perfect. They're going to have to go through some games where they don't have the ball all the time and they only create three or four mm-hmm. chances and they have to be ruthless and they kind of have to do it i hate to say it in the real madrid way where they where they suffer guardiola loves that word we suffered city were going to have to suffer at some point but they didn't they didn't suffer at any point i mean it was a stroll in the park and i i i think that's astonishing because i didn't think a team could win the champions league playing like that and i think that's why mm. the talk from outside of the city bubble has begun about this being the greatest footballing side to ever walk the earth because they're doing it in a way that I didn't think it was possible. You, you say that, but there's also a lot of talk predictably from 
those who you can imagine. You know, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to shame any professionals. But there's a lot of talk about how this is this is Lance Armstrong on a football pitch. You know, making those comparisons and and whatnot. Financial doping. You know, this is to be expected. City rolling over uh, Real Madrid, beating them four nil. You know, how how can poor Real Madrid compete? You know, the, the the team that were bankrolled by the fascist Spanish government. How can they dare compete with plucky old City? But how much is this, and I'll stick with you, Adam, quickly before we move on, but how much of this is on Pep? Because Manchester United have had money, Chelsea have had money, Liverpool have had money. Every club who has sort of, in the last five years, been in the Premier League has had money. I, I love Brighton, the story they're doing. They're up near near the top of the table, they're getting European football. But it's not a, you know, it's not a it's not a, a complete coincidence. They're, they've they've got money. They can invest in scouting. Money is in football. It happens. Players go for big money. The best clubs have the most money. City have the most money. But Adam, just you know, quickly, Pep Guardiola, because again, going back to it, his celebrations, it clearly meant something to him, and rightly so. This fucking fella puts his heart and soul into this football club. He, I was at Everton on on Sunday, and he was up at the away end saying, two more wins, two more wins in the Premier League." To switch it on like that for the for the Champions League a couple of days later, he is a master at work. We're, we're watching greatness mid season. We, you and I were on after Southampton in the Carabao Cup saying this is the one of the worst City seasons since, you know, it's up there with 2019-20. It's, it's abject. It's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Three games away from the treble, man. It, the, the, the guy's an absolute genius. Well, that's it. You said it right there. The, the, the fact that this team was playing so poorly just three months ago and we were looking at this thinking, the, the squad is small. Are some of the players burnt out? There was talks of, you know, the the sad faces crew and it's kicking off mm. with Cancelo in, in, in training and, and for Pep to be able to turn, or, turn it around the way he did and to turn it around doing things that are somewhat revolutionary, at least in this era. I mean, putting John mm. Stones yeah. into midfield, doing things, playing four center backs on a regular basis. I mean, it, it's things that we would consider had they failed as massively overthinking, too big brained, you know, Pepitis at, at it again. But yeah, I mean, it, it all comes down to him, really. And and you can talk about the money and you can talk about everything else. But I, I stand by the opinion that if City didn't have the money they did, they would be a club like Brighton or a club like that because their recruitment is impeccable. You know, we're not looking at a squad up until Holland and maybe slightly Grealish. We're looking at a squad of players that, no other club had these players at the top of their hit list going into the transfer market. None of them. Was mm-hmm. was Ruben Diaz the talk of the town in, in 2020? Was 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 United bidding for him? Was Chelsea bidding for him? No. Uh, Julian Alvarez, he just got a goal against Real Madrid. Manuel Akanji for, for what, $17 million on deadline day? Look, you can say all you want about the money, but other clubs have the same money. They do. City aren't the biggest spenders. I believe City are like 18th in the net spend charts in the last five years. That's not one summer. That's that's five seasons. So, yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a coping mechanism. And I mentioned my little black book, and there are, there are plenty of names of, <laughs> of, 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 we'll call them journalists, that have put out all sorts of nonsense tonight that um, they're going in the little black book. And, and one thing I'd say just, I'm sure we'll get into a few individual players, but on the topic of Pep, you know, a report came out that, you know, he said to uh, Rio Ferdinand via text today, uh, believe me, we'll, we'll beat them, talking about the game. And obviously that's, you know, an off-the-record Oof. conversation that got brought on the record. 
I'm, hey, I'm glad I'm glad right. I didn't hear that before kickoff because I don't think I'd have been but able it, to. It made go. me think, and I'm curious, and I, I'll ask Ollie, but I'm curious what you think as far as I don't believe Pep's been as confident in any of his city sides as he has this season and in this iteration mm. of City. Let's not forget February 5th, Manchester City lost to Spurs. It was a pretty pitiful performance. He absolutely reamed them out publicly, which in you know the 17, 18 all or nothing series, he famously said, you know, I'll defend you till the end of the day in the press conference. That wasn't the case. They've since been undefeated. It's been over three months since they've lost a match. Um, the way that he also changed the system mid-season with a team that he's had a large assembly of for, what, five, six, seven years, playing a certain way to change that, mm-hmm. to call them out and to go on this run. Like Ollie said, City aren't going to be this this good forever. So we do need to appreciate it. We need to appreciate how lucky we are that we have Pep because this campaign, to me, so much of it comes down to his impact. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it, it, it's, like I said, it, it, it's literally a legend at work in I was speaking about telling my kids one day Pep Guardiola will not be with us forever but he was the he's got a statue outside the ground it's just a matter of when it gets put up basically and he could become the first manager I don't know since maybe Ferguson to have a statue put up whilst he's still managing and and Ollie um we, we will get into some players I've, I, there's some shout outs I want to do um a little bit later on in the show but again just just quickly Pep Guardiola how much of this is because of him because you know let, let, let's sort of no mistakes we made a Champions League final against Real Madrid in 2015 under Pellegrini but you have that in one hand and you have uh, last night in the other hand it's complete it's a world apart isn't it we're a completely different club and it seems like it's been a long road to this point a Champions League final has been in in between this let's not forget this isn't City's first rodeo at this point but it feels like Pep Guardiola has spoken so much about building up a consistent legacy of you've got to fall, you've got to, you know, you've got to be beaten by the the, the big boss at the end of the road to maybe sort of feel the pain and feel what it takes and know what it means. 14-time champions, Real Madrid, City brushed them aside. Um, how much is that on Pep? Yeah, well, firstly, in terms of losing to the big boss and then going back, you know, Liverpool lost their first Champions League final in a number of years against Madrid and they went back and did it the next season. Mm. Uh, I think, it not it a statistic that no first-time appearance in the Champions League final has won it? Yeah. Has ever won So it. that's normal, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I get that because it has taken us a while to get over that hump of almost, uh, almost like we're pretenders, like imposter syndrome that... Mm. Little old city yeah, don't yeah. belong here, but we do, and we're not. We're not only belonging here; we're on the brink of a treble. We're on the brink of a treble, and we're on the brink of a treble. I should add that will eclipse the Reds' treble from '99 for a number of reasons. <laughs> Firstly, our dominance of the Premier League. Secondly, the records that were broken on the way this season. Um, Thirdly, the run that we've been on, the goals that Erling Haaland scored, he's broken records himself. The Champions League, we've beaten the second favourites in Bayern Munich, we've beaten the third favourites and holders in Real Madrid, and we've trashed both of them. So we're on the brink, not only of finally doing it in the Champions League, and listen, anything can happen, who knows, and we've got a derby in the FA Cup, Mm. anything can happen, who knows, but we're on the brink. And how much is it down to Pep? I don't think necessarily where we are is down to Pep in terms of being in a Champions League final, in terms of being about to win the Premier League. Others have done these things, not necessarily for us, but mm. I, I don't want to... The, the manner in which we've done it, 
is down to Pep, that dominance and how complete we are and how brilliant the players are. But I don't want to take any credit away from everyone else involved with the club, not just the players, but people like Brandon, the kit man, that keep things keep things jovial and going on while we've got you know such mm. such high pressure uh, moments. People like Chicky Bagiristan, who've built this club with Omar Barada, with Ferran Soriano, um, you know, the people in the the, the the people in the canteen we've seen in the city documentaries, the the banter that the mm. club has with them, you know, all the stuff. This this is a culmination of a club that is top to bottom run immaculately and money cannot buy that referencing what we said earlier you know the 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 CFA that we've got you've got the women's team and the women's academy and the men's academies all training together they're all working together they're coming past each other on a daily basis they're inspiring each other and that 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 not only can money not buy that that isn't all down to, not that is not all down to Pep that is credit for everyone involved in this club the manner and the dominance I'll give Pep all of his flowers but just the fact that we're here and that we're we're on the brink of history everyone at City hats off to you fans as well hats off to everyone I think where Pep plays his biggest role is the consistency it's the idea of of winning a domestic treble and yes the season after that was was rough but you you have one bad season you come back and you win the league with 93 points again or no i guess that was the the mm. covid year so about 86 points but then you come back after that 93 <laughs> points you come back after that city are on for 90 plus and potentially a treble and i think that ali is spot on that there are so many people in the club that have come before pep that are still here the the executives and mm-hmm. and everybody that works within the club and within the CFA, uh, CFA that have played a huge yeah. role in this but but pep brings the consistency he's he's the guy that can have the same players wake up 5 6 years in a row with the same hunger in their belly the same fire in their mm-hmm. belly to want to go out and win it again, and win it again, and win it again, and win it more dominant than last time. Win it more dominant than, than last time, and that that's that's where I think not to put any sort of negative spin on this. That's where we're going to see the drop off is when Pep goes. Mm. W- maybe we win another treble, but it's not going to be three or four in a row. It's not going to be five in six years. It, it, that that's where mm. he plays his biggest role is to keep the hunger from top to bottom of the club. Like Ollie said, the kit men. Whoever it is, he keeps the motivation flowing through everybody. And I think that is by far his biggest asset. Yeah, and, and and even beyond that, you know, just understanding the culture of the club, understanding the culture of the city. God, I wouldn't be surprised if Whisperit tits out Jackie's in the dressing room in Istanbul giving a giving a speech. Or, you know, even beyond that, the likes of Franny Lee, Mike Summerby, even Colin Bell. And on that note, who will drink a drink a drink to? Here's a message from the sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to find your favorite brews for refreshingly low prices. With a wide selection of ales, wines, ciders, and more, there's no better time to place your order and start the summer off right. Listeners to this show can snatch five pounds off their next order with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Drink responsibly. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Um, a very jubilant panel, it has to be said. Let's get into some of the individual performances we have to speak about. Joe, Kyle Walker, greatest England right back, greatest right back of all time. Um, I'm giving yeah, you heavy questions say, tonight. I have to You're trying to get me clipped but, really fast. <laughs> but it's, 
Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> aggregators get on this one, but um, he's up there. I think he's, you know, let, let, let's call it what it is. Best city right back of all time. I love Pablo Zabaleta. I adore the man, but he is, you know, a good few levels above. We're getting into, to, like I said, greatest of all time category in general football in sense here, aren't we? 100%. Um, he's, like you said, easily City's greatest ever right back. I don't think it's really all that spicy of a take to say he's England's greatest ever right back. Um, obviously, this current iteration of England are, have a variety of different uh, styles at right back for, for options. But if you need someone to just truly play the standard position of right back and shut down any attacker in world football, it's Kyle Walker. Thierry Henry said on the post-match broadcast um, on CBS <clears throat> in the States was talking about how, you know, Vinicius is, is obviously one of, if not the best winger in world football on current form. And Kyle Walker pretty much pocketed him for 180 minutes. Yes, he scored a worldie in the first leg, but that's, that is what it is. That's kind of a standalone item. Kyle Walker at 32 years old was giving Vinicius space to run in and he still recovered and he just bodied him off the ball like he was, you know, an under eight player. It was incredible to watch. And, and Thierry was talking about this isn't the first time it's happened. We've seen it year after year after year. Kyle Walker will take on the best attacker a team has to offer in one on one. You're not going to get by him. He did it at the World Cup against Mbappe, which mm. as someone, you know, Thierry being French saying that is holds pretty high regard uh, of Kyle Walker. And I think what stands out the most to me, and this goes back to a little bit of what Adam was just touching upon in part one with, with Pep and how he demands consistency. Let's not forget that four or five weeks ago, Pep was basically saying there's things Kyle Walker can't do. He was out of the side. It felt like he was on the brink of not only being out of the side this season, just potentially leaving the club this summer. And now you see these performances the last two, three weeks. And it feels like, I don't know if city are in the position they are without Kyle Walker. Vinicius is, to me, mm. he was the only real threat that Madrid had over 180 minutes, but he alone at times felt like he was going to claw them back into that tie. And Kyle Walker single-handedly said, no thanks, I'm going to go to Istanbul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's becoming one of football's sort of uh, trademark moments, isn't it, where a ball gets played in behind and, and Kyle Walker from maybe five, ten paces behind um, comes back and, and, and catches him up. Um, like I said, we're rattling through the, the shout outs a little bit like a, a breakfast show on the radio Adam, uh, Adam yeah Jack Grealish do you want to take him um, I, don't, I don't mean sort of <laughs> physically and I mean you can if you want but um, Jack Grealish again another memorable performance from him and in true Jack, Jack Grealish style um, no goals and assists which I think sort of makes it a little bit better in that sense obviously we've been on this show for, for months and even years now bigging him up even when he wasn't sort of shining as, as brightly as he is now but dear me that fella can play football he can and I think it's a bit of vindication for, for people like you and me who have been coming on this podcast mm. long before this was even a daily show when it was just you and me we had full length Grealish episodes trying to convince people <laughs> that this guy is the shit he is it he is the player that Pep has wanted and just, just a quick stat on Grealish. This is after tonight. He broke the record for the most chances created in a single Champions League campaign for an English player, breaking a Frank Lampard record from, from 2008-9 season. So he's he's showing, like you said, he doesn't need the goals. He doesn't need the assists, although he is popping up with a few more of those than he has in last season. But he's just another one of those players that he seems to love the Champions League nights. And I think we're starting to have more and more of those players and, and the players are, are, are bought in. And yeah, I mean, with Grealish, he's undroppable now in these big games because 
it's a game like this against Danny Carvajal at, at right back where he's absolutely perfect because we saw both sides of Grealish. We saw that when you need the control and you need to smother the opposition, he has that control. He can go, he can shift the ball around, he can hold on to the ball. And when you need him to go at a, at a, at a fullback, he can do that and he you know, picks up a, a yellow card for Danny Carvajal and we saw him laughing afterwards. I think he was loving the battle. But yeah, he, he's... He's somebody that has very, very quickly cemented himself as probably one of the top three or four most important players in the squad, and that's along along with people like Erling Holland and, and Kevin De Bruyne. So he's come on leaps and bounds, and and I I couldn't be happier for him. And what's funny about that is you mentioned that uh, Grealish and Carvajal had a battle. It it wasn't it wasn't a battle. It was an absolute onslaught. Um, Grealish made it. It's like in Monty Python where he just keeps cutting off limbs <laughs> yes, of the yes. night. I mean, <laughs> tis, but tis but a flesh wound <laughs> over two legs. He utterly embarrassed Danny Carver hall, his family, his loved ones, his friends. It was just, he, he absolutely <laughs> annihilated him. But what is funny about Jack and it's nice to be surrounded by like-minded intellectual people like yourselves who understand just how brilliant Jack Grealish <laughs> has been and will continue to be. Um, but what I find interesting, and I, I really was thinking about this on my drive home tonight, was people said when Holland signed for City that he was the missing piece to win the Champions League. He was the player that was going to be the difference. He was going to bring you the goals. And tonight, or, or excuse me, last night, he could have very well had two, three goals. Jack should have had an assist as a result. I think if you actually asked Pep, he'd say that Grealish is that player because this iteration of City in the Champions mm-hmm. League is like nothing he's had before. He had the Sané Sterling wide wingers who are creating, you know, you could play that basketball approach like they did against Monaco. Um, but when it comes to a player who you just know when he gets the ball, he can create chances, he can score chances, and he can just ultimately control the match. It felt like every time he touched the ball tonight, I was like, okay, we can take a breath. He's going to make the right decision. He had uh, 13 take-ons. 11 of them were successful. I mean, th- those numbers against Real Madrid, that's not something that you see every day. And mm-hmm. he just felt like he hasn't set a foot wrong in in months. Um, and when you look back to last season, yeah, was he not perfect every match? No. Who is in their first season? But now, like Adam said, he's completely undroppable. And to me, he's the first name on the team sheet for a Champions League match just because of his sheer importance over 90 minutes. And and he has to be, and it's no surprise that pre-game the conversation was about whether or not it was Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez. There wasn't even a blink at Jack Grealish. It wasn't even in the. It wasn't even an afterthought. It wasn't even a front thought. It was just, oh yeah, Jack Grealish is going to play, and and rightly so because this season, I think, sort of uh, since the turn of the year, twenty twenty three, there were there were a few players. If any, really, I think you're really getting into that conversation in, in Europe to say they are better than him. Because across the Champions League, across the Premier League, across the cup competitions, he has been the man. And it's just, it's delightful to see because we say it all the time, but he's, he's a really, really nice fella. And when you can couple that with the sort of the immense footballing ability, it makes it even better. Um, Ollie, we'll, we'll begin to wind down. Um, obviously, we sort of kicked it off with a little bit of self-righteousness and rightly so. We were delving into the, the Burt anthology and giving it out. But, you know, make, make no mistake, this is an absolutely incredible, momentous 
sort of achievement, really. Another Champions League final, two in three years. Obviously, this time with the crowd in the in the stadium to see it. It's just, it's nice. In true Mancunian fashion, that's what I'm going to say. It's nice, proper nice. Yeah, isn't it? it's it's historic, and the, there's something I want to say and, and put out there for all Blues. Um, <clears throat> just something I wrote a little while ago uh, after the uh, after the game, and th- th- there's been three times that I've welled up at the Etihad. Um, one was after mm. Aguero's winner in 2012. One was after Gundo's winner last season, and tonight. Uh, I think it was when the fourth goal went in and it was it was clear that we were going through in historic fashion and tonight it wasn't it wasn't necessarily for the release of tension as it was was in those first two games it, it was the realization of two things the first one is that this side now has an argument for being the most complete and or the best club side in history full stop um mm. the second thing is that my my late granddad that we lost five years ago um isn't here to see it and city fans that are watching now so old and young new and legacy inverted commas we're all we're, we're extremely lucky to be witnessing this um and we all know i think people that aren't here anymore to witness it so just mm. blues listen what whatever happens over the next couple of weeks starting from tonight and it has already started from a number of people um the bile from certain elements of the press and rival fans will intensify as we get closer to it. They'll call it inevitable. If we fall short, they'll say it's a moral victory for football. And if we do it, they'll put down the achievements of this squad, the manager, the club to money. I would say, <clears throat> again, don't engage with them. Let them get the clicks and the publicity from angry rivals, not from us. Block it out and enjoy every single moment of this climax of the season, whatever happens. The discussions over ownership, charges, Bundesliga-fication of the Premier League, all that crap, just just forget it. We can, de- we can debate those later. We can debate them all summer as the transfer window rages on. There are more important things in life than football, but you know, if you're having a bad time at work, if you're having a bad time at home with money, with friends, whatever it might be, um, don't let anyone else take this enjoyment away from you. Uh, There there are high school kids today that never got to see the Rags glory days. There are 30-odd-year-olds that never saw Liverpool's golden era. We don't know when and where this ends. This could be a treble, and it could be the last major trophy that we win for another 36 years or longer. But football is cyclical, and, and someday, at some point, whether it's with Pep or for whatever reason, it will end. So... Just enjoy it. Don't let anyone rain on your parade. Engage with other blues. Don't enjoy. Uh, don't engage with the people that are trying to put us down. Um, God knows they'll try. Yeah, yeah, nicely done. And I think you you raise a an important, a pertinent point. You know, regardless of when you started following the club, regardless of how long you've been a support, it doesn't matter at this point. To be honest with you, it doesn't. You know, it, it's it's a it it doesn't matter. But again, personally, you know, I I think back to again my granddad who passed away a couple of years ago. We used to text, you know, after every game, and you know, I, I could imagine he'd have been he'd probably be fucking miserable after that game. To be honest with you, because uh, he'd have found some way to pick the bones out of it. But but even still, beyond that, you know, my mum who puts up with me, and my dad coming home at bloody God knows what time. 
crying, pissed out of our heads, <laughs> chanting and singing. Even my dad as well, you know, at full time, I ran round. I wasn't with him. I ran round and, you know, I was there giving him a big hug. And, and that's what it's about. I think, you know, beyond the, the sports washing arguments and all that nonsense. And, you know, there's a time and a place, but... It, football means a lot to to a lot of people, and it's nights like these that we we truly have to remember. Um, Adam, anything add to add before we get out of there? Um, I have about 115 things I'd like to add, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Love that. Like City's charges, actually. To, to, oh, to that's a coincidence. Um, <laughs> Joe, um, anything to no, add just before we wrap? Everything Ollie said, just hit it with a retweet. That was exactly how I feel, and I think how everyone should feel. So that that that's all I need. Um, as always, you know, hopefully there'll be some new listeners. If you are new, hit follow, hit subscribe. We do episodes every single day. We'll be back on the grind tomorrow, previewing Chelsea, which bloody hell, we could win the league on Sunday. I need to lie down. Um, I'm going to go and get one as it goes. Normal service resumed. The the optimism, the 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 arrogance, as they'll say, we're back. And that will do for today. Um, as always, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Until next time, we'll see you later. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.